Hello and welcome to the Smoke and Burn Podcast. I'm Casey Gresseth, and I'm here with two guys that I've known for a long time, Michael Paul and Caleb Williams, both Primaco, Michigan guys, a couple of the top reps in the country. What's going on? What's happening? Hey, Casey, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So the three of us all went through grade school and high school together. Got some great pictures still. That's what I got my phone to do was to find a picture of you. Oh God, I I don't want to see it. I wouldn't mind seeing it. (laughs) I almost texted it to you when I found it too. It's like it sounds like oh well that's kind of cool. You guys went to the same school and stuff, but you have to understand like our school at the most had fifty people, and it was kindergarten through twelfth grade. Yeah. So we we came from this very specific weird little environment, and we all ended up at BG. Perfect. <laughs> so, let's kind of start off like maybe share you know sort of your career story, you know how you ended up with BG. Mike, want to start us off? Yeah. Um, so I was actually I was, I was an assistant manager at Discount Tire for years. I went away to Iraq for a year, and uh, when I was like on vacation, exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's when you go to to uh, follow a Christian school. That's that's a typical destination spot, Iraq. Right. So. Senior trip. That's what it was. <laughs> yep. So I was I was with the the army. I went over there uh, for a year just to fix helicopters and that one company G one eighty fifth. And so getting home, I had to find something to take care of a family. And I was thinking, discount tire. It's probably not going to do it. Being an assistant manager there, so I was going to either fix helicopters on the civilian side or maybe do something with computers. And I get a phone call from Casey's dad, who I went to church with, and actually for a little bit was my youth leader at uh, First Baptist Church there. And so he said, hey, I want to interview, interview you for a job. And I said, yeah, I think I'm good. It's okay. He said, just just have a seat, see what we can offer you. And so he made me an offer, and he said, if you do okay, we'll move you from, from salary right to commission. And yeah, that was in 2005. That was, I think, uh, April 10th of 05. So sneaking up in 15 years here, so next April. And so your territory is kind of the Ann Arbor area? It's grown a little bit, but yeah, when I launched, it was Ann Arbor, and then that's when uh, Andre left. I got Lenawee County, too, and then picked up Monroe, and then uh, now a sliver of Wayne County as well. So yeah, kind of all southeast Michigan. So Andre, the guy this that is he... going to go south. <laughs> Andre the Giant? Andre, the it's guy that he replaced, down. was most famous for not wearing deodorant. He was most famous for $2 bills. He was second most famous for not wearing deodorant. <laughs> At least it wasn't his defining characteristic. He had those dollar bills to fall back on. <laughs> That's right. And then I think the third was a heavy accent. But, I mean, that it was overshadowed by the lack of deodorant, though. Right. And, Andre, if you're hearing this, you know it's true. Sorry, dude, but you earned it. That's right. <laughs> you, you smell bad. You smell bad, bro. So... So it's okay. How long has it been since you've worked on a helicopter? Oh, well, I think February of '05 is when we actually left Iraq. So I think right. I mean, up to when we left. So yeah, sneaking up on 15 years. So like two two months you, before I came to work for BG. Like today, right at this point in time, would you put your children in a helicopter that you worked on? If I did it recently, yes. Not when I worked on 15 years ago. <laughs> would you put 44K in the helicopter? Actually, they ran on JP-8. Yes, I would. That's a weird question that we probably get at some point at BG. That'll, that'll be a great question for my. No need to call BG. We just answered it. Yeah. Go ahead. Dump it in. So that's right. Just make sure you get the right treat ratio. 
Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't get bogged down in the specifics. Make the sale. That's right. <laughs> Which is a lot of cans. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a Caleb Williams philosophy. Caleb, you're, uh, how, how did you come to be with BG? Well, so I was 20 and was um, taking a little break from college. Had just gotten married, had a baby on the way, and decided I needed a real job. So I was talking to Darren Gressith, and he said, hey, I've got a real job for you. And that, that was my start. I got to work with Merle Gressith for my first few years with BG. And Merle is, is my grandfather, and he was one of the top reps in the country for a lot of years. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and Caleb, you kind of came on as like a support guy for him, mm-hmm. doing deliveries and things like that. And then sort of slowly transitioned into a sales role? Yeah, so my transition was about three to four years with Merle. And we had a lot of fun when Merle retired. Then I had a chance to step into a sales job and actually work with you. Was it? Well, about two and a half years, I think. So, yeah, you and I were a team. I feel like I did all the work. Well, yeah, that's... It worked out really good for me. <laughs> well, I worked hard at avoiding the work. But we had a lot of fun. And uh, we won't talk about our driving. Yeah, so that that's what Caleb and I were most famous for. We're both horrific drivers. I would say that I'm better than Caleb, but it's a pretty close contest. Between the two of us, which one of us is backed into a subway sign? Who's driven down the wrong the wrong direction on a road more times? <laughs> I'm going to start right. when I'm, I'm left out of this equation. I mean, I'm thankful, but I can't believe you haven't brought up any of my full paws. It's awesome. We, they kind of, so they put Caleb and I together uh, because we kind of had, like, uh, coinciding strengths. Like, I had been doing a lot of the training and stuff. I was really bad at just being a good sales rep. Like, the day-to-day, you know, running around and stuff like that. Like, I could talk them into it. It was just like... You know, from there I started to lose interest. You know, Caleb was like this. He learned from Merle, who's like the master of, you know, building an account from within. Mm-hmm. You know, structuring this store to make them great at selling BG. You know, so they kind of put us together and they're like, you guys just sort of try to learn from each other. Yeah, and whatever you do, don't screw it up. Right. <laughs> Merle gave us a lot of rope. We were very afraid of screwing it up for the first couple of years, but we had a lot of fun. We learned a lot from each other, and it kind of all took off from there. So Yeah, we did. Great working together. And, uh, you know, like uh, I talked in the last episode kind of about having, you know, as a BG guy, you kind of have, like, a group of people that when you have an idea or you have a bad day or a really good day or whatever, you know, you, there's always like a couple of people that you think of to call and just kind of unload on them, you know. And Caleb and I kind of do that with each other, you know. We call each other, but probably once every couple of weeks, and just like, hey, what's mm-hmm. been going on, man? Oh, you wouldn't believe this horrible demo that I had, or man, I, I got this new account, you know. And so we've, you know, we've worked together pretty closely for a lot of years. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. A lot of weird weird demo stories and things like that a lot of great demo stories a lot of demos gone wrong oh man we we have messed up can i tell the story about the coolant demo (laughs) yes so 
we had just gotten a new Chevy dealership that we had landed and we're teaching the technicians how to use the equipment and we've got a old what was it do you remember what car that was oh, it, it was, was like a, it was like a, a first gen cobalt or something like that the thing was a piece of crap and we had the ct2 hooked up to it and for whatever reason we could not get we could not get any flow i think the thing would not take full pressure from the machine and we didn't know at the time that you use the barrel selector to kind of regulate the pressure to keep things moving so we'd hook it up one way, and then it wouldn't work. And so we'd oh, take it apart, hook it up another too. way, mm-hmm. wouldn't work. And the whole time we've got these techs that are supposed to be watching. It's been 45 minutes since we've done anything useful. Everybody's losing interest. It's first day with BG. It was just getting ugly. Yeah. The, the mood was going south very quick. And so I'm trying to get these guys, you know, corral them. Casey's trying to figure out what's going on with this car and so i'm talking to the guys trying to entertain him a little bit and i look over and i see casey just open the ball valve on the on the loop for the ct2 and of course you know the the coolant goes from the new jug to the used jug and i'm just talking to these guys keeping their attention and casey closes the ball valve and he goes oh look there it goes well, that about does it. <laughs> Fixed it. <laughs> That's probably the worst thing we ever did. But. If it's a smoke and burn demo, you can drop the test tube. If it's a vehicle demo, there's just no good way to bail. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know what to tube. do. That's life coaching right there. Drop the test tube. I never thought of that one. Yeah. Well, Penny looks the same as this. Drop the test tube. Yeah, oh, it's, good, shucks. it's good financial advice, too. Bankruptcy is nature's dropping the test tube. <laughs> Just bail out. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've all kind of worked together for a lot of years, covered a lot of similar you know areas and stuff like that. And Kayla, I, I I'm sorry, I kind of missed you, but uh, your territory now, like, yeah. So Livingston, Oakland County is mainly my territory. I work with 42 car dealerships. It's a lot of fun. We're growing like crazy. Big stuff coming. So. Man, maybe you guys can share a little, just to kind of give give people listening an idea. Um, maybe you could share a little bit about uh, what you went through with how you guys kind of, you know, had to really step up to the plate this year. Yeah, Mike, you could probably speak to that. Yeah, that was a big setback at the start of the year. I mean, that was an instant $170,000 in sales gone to the launch big, the year. Yeah, this is a group, you know, and it just, it's it's a great it's a great kind of cautionary example for, you know, if you're new to BG or if you've been at it a couple of years and you have, you know, a group of stores that represents a huge portion of your sales, you know, we had, what, 20 plus year relationship with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were seven, eight percent of my sales anyway. And this is a group that, I mean, you can never, I think, say you did everything right, but we, we did maybe as much as you can we did it right with them. We really thought we were pretty secure in the account and it happened pretty fast. I'll say this, when we met with, um, so they've got a couple different fixed directors and we met with one of them about a month and a half ago now I think it was and he said, you know, one of the things about BG is that there's, of course, product, you can't, you can't um, look past the quality of the product, but he said, nobody's ever formed such real relationships and connections with our people like BG. I mean, that's no other outside partner. I mean, not just maintenance, but period. 
which that was a, that was a neat accolade to get. That felt good. Absolutely. We should let's pivot back to that in a second. But um, so you said how much you lost in sales right off the bat this so year? It was about one hundred seventy thousand dollars. One hundred seventy thousand. Yeah, right off the bat. Significant. Yeah, that was that was a pretty demoralizing blow. So. And you know maybe kind of share with the guys like where where you're going to end up on that uh, on that scale. So I just just got the latest quota numbers actually for our distributorship today. And so at the close of kind of the middle of the period for us, I'm about $10,000 over where I need to be for a quarter for the year. So we've caught up. That is awesome. So and it's, it's been, um, there's a lot of factors. It, it's changing the way I do business. It's a couple of phenomenal new accounts. I picked up uh, which actually poached from a fellow salesman. It, whatever, that's what I do. That's who I am as a person. It's out there now. Only it's the public. strong survive. You, what did he say? Right. You eat what you kill. That's what Jim said. <laughs> what and then, actually, I got to give some credit to Caleb too. He he has a great relationship with one of his Honda dealerships. Who's got a great relationship with one of the service uh, the service manager at my Honda dealership. And Caleb helped me get uh, another account down in Ann Arbor. So a couple of new accounts helped offset it. And then I brought Caleb's younger brother Josh on also full time. He helped me last year just just product support. But now he's full-time logistics, he's product, he's rings and spiffs, and he's taken a lot off my plate for the logistics side. He's helping form great relationships, and it frees up a ton of my time. So it's demos, it's trainings, it's relationship building. So that's been a, a, a tremendous change in my business, too. It's just what, what my time is spent on now. So Man. it's not cans on shelves and, and tokens and bags. And, and there's an element of risk in doing that, too, because you're, you're enlisting somebody else to manage some key relationship. I mean, text, that's a key relationship, and that's something that um, I, I actually watched Caleb bring him out with his territory, and he kind of proved himself in Caleb's territory, and, and so I had a lot of confidence moving him over to my territory. Josh does a phenomenal job. So Yeah, he is. Yeah, he manages the relationships with people. Now, I, I don't know a lot of the people now that he uh, as far as the tech side now I don't it's, you can't you can't manage it all but he does such a good job with that though and so I can f concentrate more higher up and so well, that's great congratulations man that's that's awesome work to start out you know 170 grand in the hole right on the first day of the new year and then to you know not only offset that but then to still hit your quota and stuff like that I mean pretty commendable great work well, thank you yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting, and I'll tell you what, this is a very emotional business, and when sales are down, I'm telling you, that's, it, it's, uh, I feel it. I mean, my, my it really is a wake-up call when you, yeah. you kind of find out who you are as a rep when you start out in the hole like that, when you take a big shot. I think Sean Smith gave me a lot of optimism, because Sean lost literally half of his territory, I mean, several years back now. But uh, that's such a that's a great story. I mean, he buckled down and he grew back. And uh, I mean, EPR sales. That, that's he's still kind of a. I mean, that, he's a hero to me. That's a big deal. But absolutely, he's he's with Primico. Yeah. Right. So yeah, he's he's Inc. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome. So, kind of, you know, pivoting back for a second. Um, you mentioned. The strength of relationships that, that you guys formed in it, and I know this is a, you know, a critical part of, of both of your guys' philosophy on how to be a good sales rep. Um, can you share a little bit on what you know um, a good relationship looks like to you guys? Like, is that, you know, it's I know it's more than just like, hey, I know this guy's kids' names, and 
you know, I know that he likes to go on his boat on the weekends. Yeah, I think a good relationship, ultimately, it comes down to trust. You know, it's something that takes a lot of time to build, and you have to be very intentional about it. Mm-hmm. But um, when your customer starts to see that you genuinely care about him and his business, all the pieces start to fall into place. You know, when you're willing to go the extra mile for your customer, be inconvenienced for your customer, they begin to trust you. And at that point, when you're ready to talk about BG and you start bringing ideas to the table, you have their attention. So being, you know, inconvenienced by your customer, you know, what can you think of like a recent example that might be a good way of yeah, I think anybody who's worked in with BG long enough knows those convers or those phone calls you get on a Friday afternoon. It's it's five o'clock and you're thinking about wrapping it up for the day, and you get that phone call that I've been home for hours by then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our trans machines broke, you know, and we're open tomorrow. How are you yeah. going to help us? And, so you drive 45 minutes across town and you hustle to get there before they close. Away so you from can, home, wrong direction. Yeah, so you can yep. fix it. And it's those kind of things, you know. Hey, we're out of product and it's Saturday morning and you find a way to take care of them. Or, uh, it's real life. But your customers never forget it when you do those things. You do it one right. time and, and you, you create a perception. I, th- I think Caleb and I were having a conversation about that. But I had a, a Ford dealership where the owner sold his sons are taken over and and one of their ideas was just to get rid of maintenance chemistry bring in the rotunda equipment and we'd make so much more money and the service and parts manager shut it down very hard um yeah that was uh i'm gonna ask about that in a minute anyway um (laughs) and and so they fought hard but one of the things the parts manager said though he said listen when there's a product shortage we're missing a fitting a machine issue i don't care if mike's out of state i mean he's there in 40 minutes and I mean, that's an exaggeration, but that's their perception, though. I mean, well, I'm sure not that quick, but they think I am, though. They think Josh is. And they said, we, we can't do business the way we do it without BG, just because they're so supportive. The response time's immediate. They care about our business. So, yeah, things like that, it, it goes a long way. Well, I think, I think um, you know, like talking about being inconvenienced by our customer or, or a chance to build a relationship, you know, Sometimes it's easy, I think, it's easy for a lot of guys to wrap their head around, like, well, they can't sell services if a machine goes down, so I gotta get over there, okay? That's a great example, it's an easy example, though. Like, because I've known that, I know that there's been times where the both of you guys have gotten that call on Friday afternoon, but it was one of your technicians at one of your stores saying, hey man, uh, can you come by and buy chips and caps? I need some Mm -hmm. drinking money for the weekend. And it is so easy to just be like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm already on the other side of town. I'll, I'll hit you up on Monday. And I, you know, I know both of you guys have like dropped what you're doing just to go. Because it's, it's not just like this is a nice thing to do for somebody, yeah. right? It's, it's like a chance to make an impact on that person. You know, they understand like, wow, this guy really didn't have to do that. And he went the extra mile just to keep me happy. You know, that's what Caleb's talking about when he said these people, they believe. We, I mean, and we do. I mean, there's 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 genuine genuine connections, but we care about them, and that's a great way to show them. Hey, I mean, this this is just a personal thing for you. This isn't your business. This isn't equipment that we need for services. This is you getting some walking around money for the weekend. Hey, I'm looking out for you, man. I mean, that has a big impact. 
I think another part of it is you have to earn the right to speak into their business. You know, Ooh, that's it, a good one. It's really easy to fall into the trap as a BG rep where you feel like, man, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to tell them about the revenue they're missing out on MOA and 44K or whatever it is. Hey, I've got this great business plan and who am I to come in and tell them what they need to do in their business or what they're doing wrong? The relationship's the key because if I build that relationship, if they trust me, if they know that I care about their business more than just selfishly obviously they know I want to sell more BG but when you start to build that trust it makes it very easy to have those conversations and talk to them and and give them ideas you know part of it is looking out for more than just your BG interest you know you start if you can find ways to help them grow their business maybe things that have nothing to do with BG that can go a really long ways you know helping them sell more brake jobs or more cabin air filters fill in the blanks you know it that's that's a great point too that we don't often hear about because you know all of us have been in a a training seminar or something like that where they've said you know you are a you are a business consultant and you need to go in there and be a business consultant to that guy and so you walk in with a revenue report and tell them everything that they're doing wrong and then just wonder why they don't get excited or maybe they're kind of like blow you off or they don't want to spare time for you or anything like that. Earning, earning their trust and earning the right to, to have a say in what they do, to make those recommendations to them. Because, yeah, I think that's, that's spot on. You know, I've never really thought about it in that way. But, yeah, I mean, who are you to tell me how to run my business, you know? Once you have that relationship, though, it's, it, it's never the same. You know, you're able to, to do that. You have that right. And that's when you really start to see growth in an account, whether it's with... It's not just one person either, especially in a car dealership. It's not just having that relationship with a service manager. It's, it's all of the key players. It might be a technician. It might be a parts guy. Um, but it just takes a lot of time and a lot of just very deliberate effort to make that happen yeah I, I know there's there's times when uh, you know especially a store that you're not doing good in you know the temptation is to focus on the service manager the main advisor maybe a couple of techs in the back and it's sometimes hard to justify like spending you know an hour in there talking to you know the the uh, the other techs or or maybe the advisor that doesn't really ever seem to give you the time of day and stuff. So like you're kind of of the philosophy you got to build a relationship with everybody. Everybody needs to know who you are. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, you have to know who your decision makers are. You have to know who your key sure. players are. But you want to create this fan club at your accounts where they you just want to be a bright spot in people's day. You know, they love seeing you come in the door you kind of get to become part of the family and whether even if it's a porter or a parts counter guy you just want to be a breath of fresh air to everybody and you never know who's going to be helpful to you in your business down the road either I was going to make a comment about that actually yeah. I have yeah. lube techs that are master techs now and I've had young advisors who are now service managers and 
So you start to build those relationships. You never know where they're going to go. So you blow off a guy because he's an annoying lube tech. Down the road, you may regret doing that. You might. It's funny because Mike's customers made a lot of groaning noises when we went in there the other day. (laughs) It's a lot of, oh, God. (laughs) Sounds right. As long as you're buying, I don't care. There's another thing. (laughs) If I get your money, I win. (laughs) Casey, you were talking about accounts that don't do well, and we all have them. You know, just those accounts that have no interest in growing. And the temptation, those are the ones that take a lot of self-discipline because the temptation is just to blow them off. Eh, they'll call me when they need something. And if you're not in those accounts every couple of weeks, spending time, look, you can't put all of your time and energy into training and demoing places that aren't interested in growing, but right. you have to be there. You've got to be a part of what they're doing or you'll never have the opportunity to grow. Every account is just well, one little change. It could be a risk, change. too, I mean, if, if you don't. Sure, you might lose them. But every account's just one small change away from being an account that's ready to grow. You know, maybe it's a, a new advisor, a new tech comes in. Service maybe the owner decides he wants to start making money in service. You never know what's going to happen. So you have to be there to be able to take advantage of it. It's funny because, like, I can think of, like, several situations in our territory where we had an account that just sucked. Like, just the, the worst part of your week was going in there, and all of a sudden, like, they got a new service advisor. Boom, this place is pumping, you know? Hey, do you remember the time we did that training at a nope. Chevy store? So we're going to train advisors. Casey and I were getting ready to train them together. And we hadn't really prepped for the meeting, which is not good. But uh, <laughs> So we're kind of looking at each other, and we're talking about what we're going to do. The advisors come in, and... So Casey kicks off the meeting, just pause. He goes, well, you guys really suck at selling fuel. (laughs) It was actually, that trading ended up being really good, but sometimes you got to hit them between the eyes. Sometimes that goes really wrong. Yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend that one for an opening line, but it worked out. If you're taking notes, cross that one out. Some people can get away with it, though. I've watched Steve do it. <laughs> Does happen. So I think on the on the subject of relationships, you know what what I've found over the years working with reps is that you know there's a lot of guys out there that have good relationships in their accounts. You know, for some guys it goes the other way though. It's it's uh, you know these are my buddies mm. and. I, I feel weird twisting their arm trying to get them to change their ways and sell more BG. Merle had a quote about that. He would say, friends will let you starve, and it kind of... Friends wants to let you starve. Yeah, Merle said it a lot. Yep. That's a great point, though. You have to... If you don't ever use your relationships and leverage them to sell BG, then they're not doing any good. I mean, they're real, genuine connections, but if that's all it is, you're not running a business. I mean, they're, they're a stepping stone. If you have that... That real connection, now they're receptive. And now it's time where we begin to sell and coach. And here's the great part. When we start selling and you know, coaching them on how to improve their maintenance business, we're doing them a favor. And I think sure. that's the part we have to offer. And you can't forget, hey, we have a lot to bring to the table for their business. Um, so it's, not, it's selfish, but it's a relationship that, that's good for everybody. I've sometimes like worded it as like 
our agenda is the best thing that could happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just might not know it yet. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you can have a lot of great friends in an account, you know. You can be their buddy. Everybody likes you. But if you're not helping them grow their preventative maintenance business, like, you're a nice guy, but what value are you to them, you know? Well, how replaceable are you? I mean, being liked is one thing, but if you're not a, a key part of their business, if you're not integral, you're dispensable. It's like, I like you a lot, Mike, but you're not making me any money. This guy's going to make me some money. We're still friends, but this is business. 100%. And that's a, you know, I feel like we've taken a lot of competitor accounts on, you know, on that, that, along those same lines. Yeah. Well, I've been with Gary for, you know, two decades. We go way back. We go camping twice a year together. Yeah, but... Is Gary helping you grow your revenue? Is Gary helping you like increase your shop efficiency? You know. Let me see. Let me see the like, let me see the revenue report Gary gives you every month, and I'll, we'll compare it to some other Ford dealers. Oh, Gary doesn't do that for me. Oh, really? That's Gary a surprise. Blows. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that. I think that's a great philosophy on it, though. Don't be a friend that lets your friends starve. By Casey Gress. By me, yeah. It's another great quote I've put my name on. <laughs> Somebody else's. <laughs> so. You modify gotta, it just a little bit so it doesn't make any sense, and then you put your name on it, though. Right. So that's. <laughs> no libel suits coming against me. No, your grandpa's not going to sue you. You're, you're good. So uh, we're going into the new year. I mean, you guys, you guys go by calendar year, so you're kind of finishing up the year still, but. Um, you know, looking looking forward into the next six months, twelve months. You know, like, what what are, what's your focus? Where do you see your your growth for this year coming from? Well, um, a lot of specifically um, converting every dealership I've got to platinum. I'm probably fifty percent done now. Every shop I've converted, it is it's of course been increasing that sales, which is awesome. But bringing in a new focus on fuel putting in a service that the tech see is more efficient because it is and also easier to do has boosted fuel sales in almost every account I put it in. So getting the final conversion done, um, the philosophy that I'm trying to promote to every tech, the, the kind of the, the perspective on maintenance I want them to all sell from is I love my customers, therefore I coach and train them how to own and take care of a car. I mean, that's the, the foundation of the maintenance sale. This is how we love our customers. This is how we really are the the coach and the consultant to them. If we're not doing this, we're just we're just writers. So those are some of the the small boots in the ground stuff. Um, so like the the accounts that you're converting to platinum, like what are they most of them using now? Twenty nine hundred one, Earl twenty one twelve kit, but yeah, twenty nine hundred one. So, so basically an old you know two hundred six two ten forty four k. Yes. Yep, and then of course new business got a couple of accounts that I'm going after, and then it sounds like we might be having some success. With too, so I don't want to. I'm not banking on that, but it's like that's a pretty good possibility too, though. You got plenty of wood to knock on if you want. That's right. <laughs> so and then and also uh, just some of the training we're doing this week, um, advanced fixed ops consulting. I mean, that's I'm excited to get that integrated and just become more of a a partner that that my dealerships rely on to grow their business. I mean, to to be a real consultant and a coach. I mean, beyond the scope of just the maintenance product. Let's look at some real metrics that you care about, talk about ways to improve them. So, Mike touched on some great stuff. I, the oil change business, too, is going to be a big one for me. Yes. So just There is so much revenue 
for dealerships in their Lubrac, in their quick lane, whatever. And we, we have all the tools to help them capitalize on that. You know, if you think just from the standpoint of BG sales, we make so much money on an oil change or have the potential to, you know, with MOA, ethanol, EPR, there's more money for us in that and more potential. I can sell, I can sell five ethanol kits before I ever have a chance to sell a coolant flush. Maybe more than that, right? 100%. So yeah. as I look into my business, ethanol has become a huge part of what I do. Um, but there's more to get. You know, there's um, one of the sales reps down in the Atlanta market. I think he's going to sell thirty or 40,000 ethanol kits this year. So not dollars, thirty or 40,000 ethanol kits. Yes. I Holy Don't quote me balls. on that, but it's That's between tw- it's it's definitely over 20. It's an incredible amount. Jeez. <laughs> That's insane. So, okay, so what what do you say to the sales rep who says, "Well, I went and I did the ethanol demo. And they all liked it. And they got it on the shelf." You know, I made them a, a good, better, best menu, but just nobody's selling. Why did you use a southern accent? It's just a derogatory thing I do. <laughs> I use it to communicate apathy. It may be lack of education. It worked for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no offense That's to funny. our southern brothers. We're just messing around. So what do you say? What was the question again? Well, you know, I uh, I did the demo, and, you know, I put the kits on the shelf, and, you know, I made them a good, better, best menu. Is that more palatable for you? Perfect. I don't want to trigger That's Mike. That's a great Minnesota. <laughs> Mike, come back. You don't have to be so mad. Just, That's right. He's just face turning red right you just, now. You just called me Trigger Mike. I love that. <laughs> So that's Casey's nickname for me. If you didn't know, it's Trigger so, Mike. So thank you. There's a lot, you know. Have you have you trained the advisors? Have you trained doing the demos a part of it? But you have to connect all the dots. You know, have you shown them the money they can make? Do you have a an incentive program? How about because a simple word track? You, just a simple word track. A to word follow. track's a big one. You got one you, on the top of your head. Ooh, yeah, of course. Let's hear. Of course, it. I do. I get put in the spot occasionally with customers. This is called stalling. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> stalling. <laughs> Trigger Mike's the king. Um, yeah, well, I guess I would. I would just Here, say, do you want me to do it? I feel fairly confident. So do you want me to do it? Okay. When I'm done, I want you to. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Still stalling. All right. But right, Mr. Cust, we also recommend twice a year you you treat your fuel system for ethanol moisture. Just stop corrosion, prevent uh, bad tank of gas, keep check engine lights off. Um, it's an extra 20 bucks. You want us to add it to your service today. Or would you like us to go and get it taken care of while it's in the shop? Well, I only use premium fuel. I only buy the good stuff. So, I mean, I shouldn't have a problem. You're golden. You're exempt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, still less 10% ethanol in it. You can't get every gallon of gas you buy has got ethanol in it. So, so. that was pretty good. Um, I'd give them if, like you're, a, if your advisor has 30 seconds that. to think it over before they ask, that'll work. That's why you give them a word track on paper. All right. How about this? So, Casey, one thing we do recommend when you're here for your oil change today is that we treat your fuel system. What it's going to do, it's going to help. It's just going to help keep your fuel economy and performance where it should be. 
I don't want to alienate anybody at the table, but that was that was maybe the best. Just short and sweet. <laughs> I feel alienated now. You can really keep it simple. It doesn't have to be this long pitch talking about. You have to be ready to answer questions, but we really don't need to get into all the into the weeds with ethanol and corrosion and all that stuff. It's just giving them a just a simple, quick value pitch. If you ask everybody, people are going to say yes. Absolutely. It's just. And so, I, I'm kind of the opinion nowadays, especially that like, the simpler the word track, the more likely it is to succeed. I agree. See, that that was my simple word track though. I go way more technical than that. So that's just so verbose. That's what it is. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of brevity as well. That is my brief pitch, but so, I agree though. In this kind of back. A little bit too. I'll, I'll pick on them in, in a fun way, but one of the big areas of focus was just chemistry and product. And they just, the advisors would spew so much information on a customer that I mean, what you're saying is 100% right. They just get lost with it. I mean, it is, you overwhelm them, you t- it's counterproductive. But yeah, very simple and brief. Let them back into it and ask questions. Great. We'll answer all your questions. I mean, it's good for them to have the knowledge, but that's not part of the pitch, though. I, I agree. Right. Yep, there's, like, there's like, there's like, oh, Andy Baldessari has a great saying on it, and I'm going to butcher it, but um, there's a big difference between education and training, right? They're both important, but education is just like, here's a bunch of information. Training is like, here's how you take all of that stuff and put it into a tight little package that you can use. Here's the application. Here's the real world application. Right. They need to understand the bigger picture and all the things that it does and stuff. It's a great distinction. They need to understand, like, you don't have to address that stuff with the customer. You know? Just keep it short and simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that makes sense. So, so ethanol is going to be a, a big focus of yours this year. Ethanol, all oil change products. Ethanol, MOA, EPR, 44K. Um, I think that that's going to be that's a huge push for our distributorship, so I have to say that. <laughs> well, you but scored the bonus points. I perfect. No, that's as I look into my business and I see the opportunity, it's just incredibly huge. I've had big growth in that area over the last couple of years, but there's so much more to get. Right. Oh, and I think, okay, so we were touching on, like, what, what do you do with the account that you've quote-unquote done everything with? So you said like hey one more thing with I got to say one more thing about it's kind of my show but okay well fine you, you invite <laughs> I can leave you invited us it's not too early so, to shut this thing down Casey selfishly from the standpoint of just being a BG rep I make as much money on a can of 44k almost as I do a trans kit it's almost as big of a sale so I can sell a whole bunch of 44Ks or MOA EPR kits before I ever have a chance to sell that coolant flush or that transmission service, you know, just from a volume standpoint. Right. And I think you guys would agree, like, sell them both, but where's your focus? You know, right. where, why, why are you, you know, why is your focus not on the volume? You know, where's the volume at? It's with those oil change products, you know, it's with fuel service. So, I, I mean. That's and that's where the dealerships are losing money, too, you know. I just had a, co- a conversation with one of my good um, dealer groups last week, and we were talking about how much money 
you know, what profit do you guys make on an oil change? And it was less than $3 was the answer. Oh, man. So. Most popular service. They yeah. Write them up all day, every day. By the thousands each month. So if we can take that oil change and put another $10 or $15 on the net, that's a big deal. Well, I think another thing that, that Mike touched on there with, the, like, the platinum service, like, you, you were kind of talking about it from the standpoint of, guys, this is so convenient to do now, you know? Like, I think a lot of guys are probably looking at platinum service and they're saying, well, it's, it's a lot more expensive than the kit that I'm currently, you know, 2902 or whatever it is I'm currently using. I mean, how do, you, how do you address that concern with your stores, or do you? So, really, it hasn't been a big factor at all. I mean, the, the difference isn't that significant, but the, I guess the, the real excitement about it is that it, it works. So, we could tell 2901, it does an okay job, but it's not geared towards direct inject, it's port inject. So, for the additional 20 bucks, whatever the difference in the service is, we're giving a, a customer complete service. So, I mean, the value really supports the increased costs. And when you shine a spotlight on it, whether it's the advisors, the techs across the dealership, I mean, it, it, they see that they recognize the need for it, they see the effectiveness of it, and it becomes a pretty easy sale. From the technician standpoint, too, it's an easy hour. The more up to recommend it. Um, if even if the price is high, if the tech's going to recommend it, it'll sell. I mean, if, if the if it's the, the labor's priced correctly, it'll sell. I mean, you can you can raise the price as long as someone's going to nudge it because they see the the profit in it, the, the greedy side of them. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it not moving in a dealership. It'll it'll take off. Yeah, you can kind of ride the wave of the momentum you've got in the shop. So that being yeah. said, like, how important to you guys? I mean, it's really easy for us to go into a store and just focus on advisor, advisor training, advisor training, advisor training. How important are the technicians to your guys' growth strategy? Um, it's it, critical. Yeah. In, in a lot of dealerships, and I can think of many examples, I mean, in Mike's perfect world, this is all mileage-driven maintenance. The advisor advises when they coach a customer to follow the schedule of maintenance. And they're the primary driver, the techs are the second line of defense. In the real world, though, you find the techs are the, the, the liquid courage for the, the advisors. I mean, they'll That's a sell. That's great way of putting it. They'll sell. I mean, they're like their little shot of whiskey. I mean, the advisors are much more confident when it came from a tech recommendation. And now, for a customer purchasing, it's great to hear about it 10 months in advance. Here's what's coming up. But I'll take it when an advisor says, hey, the guy's due for 60,000 mile maintenance, recommend it to him. So I do a lot of tech upsell training. So it's not just the product demos. I'll get him into a conference room with a bunch of pizza, and we'll talk for 35 minutes on the importance of the program. Here's some very simple ways to make two or three hours of labor recommendations with 60 seconds of investigation. So if you're going to skip the inspection because you're a jerk, that's fine. But at least take 60 <laughs> seconds and recommend the maintenance. So that's, so that's that's I think that is a point that that we don't really hear a lot, you know, in our traditional training and stuff like that at BG. Um, there, you know, we gotta train advisors. We have to push them to sell at the time of write up, right? That's our mm -hmm. our biggest area opportunity and easiest pathway forward. But it's also the most difficult sales situation that that advisor is going to be in. Springing yes. this recommendation on a customer who's not expecting it, you know. And there's ways around that. There's ways of, of prepping the customer for those things ahead of time. But you're right that the technician's recommendation inspires 
so much more confidence in the advisor, right? It's not just him saying, hey, you need this. My trained technician is recommending this. So for you, tech training is not just confined to, here's how to use a trans machine. Oh, here's how to hook up to that new vehicle that came out. Yeah. So you're, you're actually spending some time talking about talking with the techs on strategy about how to drive their haulers per RO and hours per RO and stuff like that. Yeah, techs have to be yeah. bought into the program. They have to, they have to believe in the service, um, and they have to see the dollar signs. They have to be able to know, hey, this is going to make me a whole bunch of money. So sometimes you have to connect all the dots for a technician and make sure, help them see the big picture of, of what, BG can help do for them, for their paychecks, and also for the customer. So if you can get technicians bought in, you know, like you said, Mike, it, it adds a, it, it makes it so much easier for the service advisors to sell. But the flip side of that is if the technicians aren't bought in, they can derail a program very quickly. 100%, yeah. Because if, if a technician doesn't want to do a service, the advisor's not going to sell it. Which these these interactions too, some of the meetings, a lot of that comes to light too though. When you're when you're having a conversation about when you recommend different services, inevitably one of the techs will say something like, well, I, I can't do a trans service on this. It takes too long to do. And it opens the door for some more great conversation to overcome some obstacles and, and to get them bought in because you'll, you'll uncover a lot of that. It helps you identify the squeaky wheel. Yeah. And, and I try to open it up anyways, just we'll follow up typically with dashboard, make sure up to speed and some of the new tech tips. And I'll try to post them on the tech bulletin board. Here's a new one that came out for GMs. But you always have a tech though that'll say, yeah, this we can't do a fuel service on this. Do you have any tips? And I'm glad you asked. I yes. think the biggest objection from a technician is they feel like they have to follow factory recommended intervals. And that's a big, that's a great conversation to be able to have with technicians because with our lifetime protection plan, we have, we can give them great reasons why um, BG makes sense and why we don't have to wait till 150,000 miles to do a coolant service. But having that tech, having that conversation can be a game changer with technicians. You know, if you can give them a good value proposition for why it's okay to branch outside, you know, General Motors recommendations they have that light bulb moment and going forward they'll start recommending stuff so he doesn't right. listen to this is he <laughs> so well he had a really good know. idea he I, probably I, doesn't know how to download podcasts. i don't want his head to get too big but one of the points he made though he said mike if you got a, a shop that's pretty rigid about following factory maintenance they probably suck at selling maintenance and that's their excuse to not sell it he said man take that low-hanging fruit he said if they sell just the factory maintenance they'll probably quadruple their maintenance sales if that's what they're locked in on Encourage it. Great. You know, we, we might talk about some ways to expand it down the road, but I think you're making a great. Let's catch the factory maintenance. Let's focus on that. You said you. I mean, the, the maintenance, and that's I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. If, if a technician says, "Oh, I only believe in following the factory maintenance guidelines," okay, great. Do so, it. So you're recommending a coolant service every hundred fifty thousand miles? Yeah, or every seven years, or five years, or whatever it is. Right, which you'll probably find they're not. I mean, when you look at a shop like that, you'll find, yeah, you guys put out four coolant flushes last month. There, was, there wasn't a single vehicle that you saw that was older than five years. You sure? You sure we're catching all of them? So, I mean, don't be quite I, that I condescending, but, but that, that's a, it's an easy case wait, to make, though. Wait, wait. You said don't be condescending? That's what Trigger Mike says, yes. <laughs> 
still oh, be kind of sad. I would have to change my whole strategy now. Yeah. Th- this, this is some life coaching. You don't have quite the bedside manner that Mike has, you know, so. <laughs> that I mean, crazy. neither do I for that matter. <laughs> I'm not sure I've got no, that bedside manner. It, it sounds creepy. <laughs> but we drive white vans, though. Truck bed. So I think that all of this stuff is a moot point if your relationship with the shop is just to walk in, talk to two techs, and say, hey, is everything working all right? Good? All right, great. You got any stickers you want to turn in or chips or whatever? No? All right. See you next month. You know? It really requires you to spend the time to really embed yourself in the shop. Yeah. Because the shop is, it's, your program is not going to grow if the shop is resistant to it. You're right, too. I I think the other point there is, like, we have a lot of shops that would sell a lot more BG if they would just follow factory recommendations on maintenance. Yeah, just, that's a great launching point. Let's just catch those to start. Now, Caleb, you kind of, uh, when you were kind of going down the list talking about, you know, all of the factors going into addressing a program that's not working. You know, you mentioned incentive programs. And that's one thing uh, I can definitely say for Caleb. He gets, he's creative with incentive programs. He comes up with a lot of cool ideas about how to get people excited about selling BG. So, I don't know. What's, what's an ideal incentive program look like to you? Like, if you're starting from scratch, what would you propose to a store? That's a good question. I, one thing I'd say about incentives is they work. You know, people are motivated by money. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I've had a lot of experiences over the years where people don't believe in selling maintenance, and I don't believe in that. And all of a sudden, you dangle a little carrot in front of them. <laughs> That principle just goes right out. (laughs) (laughs) Principle goes right out the window. Uh, But yeah, an ideal incentive program. You know, I think you really have to stop and look at your specific customer and ask what's going to be a good fit. You know, there's lots of different factors and and things that. But I've I've had a lot of success with tiered programs. You know, where you maybe you build. Ideally, the the more money you can build into a service, the better off you're going to be. So, if you build ten dollars into the program, um, and you, you put maybe two or three different tiers, you know, if you sell X amount of services, you get five dollars a service. But if you get to the next level, and you'd get seven dollars, and if you get to the top level, you get the full ten dollars per service. So, I've had a lot of success with tiered programs and. It takes a little bit of work to manage. You know, it's it takes um, you got to be able to get it set up. You got to be able to anything that doesn't get paid out has to get rebated back to the dealership. So there's a lot of work involved with it, but it definitely pays off because but it works. It works, especially when advisor A sees his buddy, you know, get to the top ten dollar per service level, and get. I've had advisors get. $1,500 checks and $2,000 checks for a month in sales and all of a sudden that gets your attention you know, when you're when you're taking your BG money and you're filling your gas tank and the guy next to you is making his house payment with it <laughs> that's a good incentive yeah interesting so <clears throat> so the trade-off with some of these you know if you're gonna get creative with incentive programs really 
anything inside the store. It's probably going to require you as a rep to be more involved with the program than you might be otherwise. Yeah, and you have you've got to be careful with these incentive programs because you can't get tunnel visioned and just be selfish. You know, you have to remember, first of all, you've got to be there to help the dealership be profitable and make money, and there are more things that need to be sold than just BG. So if if you get, you just have to promote it the right way, and you have to make sure that you're doing it in the dealership's best interest. So. I think that's the key because I think that, you know, if I'm, you know, there's a lot of guys across the country that are maybe max paying out a dollar or two dollars per service. They might hear ten dollars a service and think, wow, that's unbelievable, outrageous, wrong. It's, it's really comes down to what's, what's sustainable and, and makes sense for a customer, right? I think you have to ask yourself, okay, what's it going to take to motivate this particular shop? How are they paid? What other incentives are out there? And that can even change from market to market. You know, I have the reason I moved to, I, I've got a lot of dealerships that have $5 and $10 incentive programs. And the reason I do that is because they're making $20 for selling a set of tires as a spit from their dealership. You know, so if I dangle two or $3 in front of them to sell a trans flush when they can sell a set of tires and make 20 they're probably not going to sell a transmission service. Right. Ideally, in a perfect world, they sell it all, but realistically, you know. People chase their pay plans, and so it just has to make sense. Well, you got to know your advisors, too. You don't want to put in a monster $10 spiff without a tier or something, and they're like, wow, I can sell the same amount of BG and make way more money. And I've seen that before, too. It happened at one of my stores in Ann Arbor when they, when they swapped over. So it was just they got comfortable, like, wow, this is I'm, I'm maintaining and I'm killing it. So, yep. Yeah, I like Caleb's idea. I, and I've implemented I sold that from you and, and a couple dealers, and it, just that, that tiered SPIF program, it works out really well. But make them reach for it, though. Yeah, and be creative. Every dealership's different. There's no cookie-cutter approach. and So you have to – it's all dependent on the specifics of that dealership, the relationships you have in there. Um, but even think just money, too. I mean, I, I one of my dealers, I threw a big carrot out for him. I said, if we, if we hit it, we'll go go-karting. And I rented a trackside room and had a pizza catered in, an open bar. And boy, if you've ever ever gone go karting with a few beers in you, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't it's know like what it's like. I'm just... <laughs> yes. Well, I'll tell you, the, the shop hit it. I mean, they were, I mean, I was getting calls twice a week. Mike, where are we at? Can you stop in and get numbers again and see where we're I mean, they were just, they were. Boy, they got mo- that excited about Oh, they go-karts. monitored it closely. And yeah, I mean, the first day, the, I was getting texts on the weekends from the service manager. Hey, Mike, any, any word on, on numbers and where are we at? And oh, I mean, but they were so bought in, though. What's next? Laser tag? That sounds terrible. <laughs> you don't have to be sarcastic with him. <laughs> hey, whatever works, man. Yeah, but it wasn't money. It was, it was a big goal they were aiming for, and we had a bl- And not to mention, once once they hit it and we went out, we had so much fun hanging out. I mean, I got to know the guys on a much more personal level. I mean, there was competition. We were yelling at each other, and I mean, just it was right. good. It worked in like several different yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, our guard was let down, and and uh, I mean, that was good relationship building too. I mean, you probably like, for all intents and purposes, you're a part of the team at that store now. Yeah, I think it's a great way to describe it. Yep. So, um, that's kind of another great point. You guys are, you guys do a lot of, you know, promotions and contests and things like that to get the blood flowing. How much value is there in just 
throwing some cool things at an advisor here and there? I think the biggest value in it is in any promotion is you want to push them to do something that they don't know they can do or they haven't done before mm. because then that becomes the new benchmark, the new baseline. If you just run a promotion and it doesn't, you have to have an end goal in Double mind. Double spiff on fuel this month. Yeah, that's probably not going to get you anything. So, But if, if you can sit down with management and come up with a cool promotion with a goal in mind, hey, we want to get these guys to this particular service target or something like that, then when they hit it, you can turn around and have that conversation of, hey, great job, guys. Man, let's do it again this month. And you can keep it going, you know. You've kind of established a new normal. I like what you said, too. Kind of get them to reach for something they didn't think was possible. That's a great way to frame it. Yeah, like what's the the point of doing a promotion or a contest or something is tr to try to alter their habits, mm -hmm. right? Create new patterns yeah. of behavior. Maybe and get them to step outside of a comfort zone that you dangle that little carrot and they're going to do something that they wouldn't normally do. Follow a new process even. I've done a lot of that too where I've done just, just a simple rim implementation with just a, just a one service. This is the process we follow. We're going to focus on one service and here's, here's the rewards you get if you hit the target. But just, just try to get them to pursue a, a minor tweak in what they do and follow a new process. I've had some real good success with that too. Tie incentives to training is a great thing too. If you go in and you train on MOA, man, put an incentive on MOA immediately when you leave because after I'm done with my training, I want people to take action. So if you if you pair those two things together, it can be a great combination. And oh, follow awesome. up immediately too. And this that's from Andy. I mean, that was his his coaching at the the last zone meeting when you trained. Follow up immediately after the training, and that was some great advice. That's big, yeah. You know? Yeah, so like if you're running a month-long promotion, you know, you're not just, here you go, guys, this is what we're going to shoot for, see you in a month. Like, how often are you checking in with that store? All the time. I mean, you have to be. You've got to find out. And sometimes, hey, it's not always realistic to be in the same location, you know, three days in a row. But it can be as simple as an email to the entire advisor and management team or, or maybe text. it's maybe it's them. even calling a yeah texting them or I do a lot of group text with my advisor making a phone call hey did you hit your target yesterday you know you merle would say break it down to the ridiculous for them you know you you want to break you want to give them little goals and stuff to hit each day so then you can you can ask them you can follow up with it hey are you on track and that always works very well Especially if they know you're going to be calling them, that gives them a lot of extra motivation to make sure they hit that target. Right. I've been guilty of the alternative, too, where I didn't follow up. And a couple weeks later or a month later, hey, how'd you do in the contest? Oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about that. And that, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's the alternative of that if you don't stay consistent with it and keep in front of them. To tattle on myself a little bit here, I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. I've been in the store a lot, you know, but couple of the advisors I just haven't done the best job of like keeping in front of them consistently you know like I said I'm there twice a week but I haven't constantly reminded them like hey where are you at where are you what's how are you doing on the contest are you gonna hit the goal you know and consequently like I think I've lost some momentum on it you know so kind of in in 
closing here, you know, what 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 advice would you guys give a uh, you know maybe somebody maybe not somebody who's brand new, but somebody who's got a year or two under their belt, and you know they started out doing the very basic things like what what do you think is is a good thing for a guy in that situation to focus on? One thing that that I've been very consistent with the last couple of years, which I've been doing this for almost 15, so it's embarrassing that it's taken me so long to really get consistent with it, um, and, and particularly when Merle's preached it for so long. But number one is my weekly map, which I have every account listed, every dollar amount that I expect to sell to that, that I need to sell that account. But then I have a, a daily agenda for every single customer. So when I walk in, these are my two or three agenda items that I want to accomplish. I mean. I mean, I don't go in there wearing it on my sleeve, but I've got an ulterior motive. Every time I go to that account, this is what I want to accomplish so that I can expect increased sales next time I come in. Whether it's I want to get with the used car manager and get PVP or MOA in the used cars, whether it's an incentive, it's a training I want to set up, um, but what's my agenda? What's going to be the money-making thing that I accomplish when I walk in there? I've got to be very deliberate about that. And since I've had logistics support, it's it's very transparent if you're not working. Before I was doing rings and spiffs and, and product on the shelf and I was working. I was selling BG because I was putting cans on shelves and cashing out tokens. But now that that's taken away, I mean, it's, I feel very exposed. Am I, am I making a difference in my account? Am I growing it? Or am I just the good nature guy, high five and how's the weekend? And But now when I walk in, I mean, I've got to be very intentional to grow the business. So when do you put together that plan? What, when do you assess those agenda items and set them? Is it in the van five minutes before you walk into the store? No, it's, so I'll do the weekly map Sunday afternoon or I'll get to the warehouse early Monday and we'll, I'll get my weekly map laid out. And the agenda item is the night before or uh, right in the morning before I work out I'll, I'll, or right after, but it's, it's always in the morning. Wait, I'm, I'm always free to work out? You don't work out. You can't no tell way. it. <laughs> so, Are you kidding? So that's, that was hurtful. So I, I thought I, your shirt just had extra tight sleeves. So. I thought that was a small. <laughs> so one thing I'm asked a lot, and I guess I'm going to, you guys can't see it, of course, in the podcast, but I did get this way without steroids. So I just want to go on record saying this was steroid free. This is all natural. Me too. So score for, for I both I guess we're all the same. Um, Level so yeah, so I do, I do it like. long before I get out in my van, get out in the field, though. I mean, it is, and I've got, and I'm always updating my, my agenda items. I've got, um, like, I've got the, the item that I've also got, what's, what's the follow-up? What was the result of that? And so, that's you guys are the worst. So, <laughs> so yeah, so, so, so I'm always tracking what I've accomplished. Did I have the result I expected? But I'm always making notes and updating. And I've got a master file for every single every single one of my dealerships. Here's what I want to accomplish. I'm always changing, correcting, adding, subtracting. But anyway, I mean, I've got like a shop profile for all of my accounts. Here's what I want shop to accomplish. Shop profile for all of your accounts. That's I think that's huge. That's that's instantly uh, that you know if you're listening to this and you don't have something like that, do it, do it mm-hmm. now. You know, not like oh in December I'll have some time. You know to, to to sit down and really look at this. Like do it immediately. So you're what you're, basically what you're saying is, be prepared, be organized, and be deliberate about your interactions with your customers. Always have an objective. Yes. Always be. Always have a target in the account that you want to get accomplished to grow business. I mean, imagine a. Uh, and on the bottom of all, all my daily sheets, it says, um, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And so, I mean, what's what's the perfect scenario look like? And I always strive for whatever that ideal is. What's the, the biggest objective that would grow this account? I mean, just put down the, 
uh, some of the out of the box stuff too. But but yeah, that's right. Be deliberate. Be intentional. Don't go in just just expecting to come across some some nugget when you're. I mean, go in there with a plan. Hundred uh, percent. Do Do you have anything valuable you want to throw in the hat? It's got some workout tips for us. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, I have a few sarcastic things I was thinking about saying, but you keep that to um, yourself. Say that would not fit well in this conversation. <laughs> Obviously, um, uh, just to expand a little bit on what Mike was saying, um, I think goal setting is huge for your own business, for your accounts, um, but for any rep, no matter where you're at, I think just never being satisfied and knowing that whatever goals you set you can get them you can achieve them if you want it bad enough because growing in this business doesn't happen by accident you know Mike talked a lot about being intentional Um, it takes a lot of hard work it takes a lot of planning but if you want it it's there so to me that's the biggest thing is just if you want it bad enough if you're willing to do what it takes then man you can you can just keep growing the the opportunity you know nobody's got a nobody's got an ideal situation there's always excuses there's always things that we can point at and say man I can't because of this or because of that or you know I suck at this part of the business you know Casey you know me I couldn't I still probably couldn't hardly change oil on a car if I had to. <laughs> well, I, I'm in the I'm same not boat. the most mechanical guy in the world, but it doesn't matter. I, you can be successful in this business if you want to be. And I think the opportunities that we have as BG reps in these market conditions with all of the the new things, the new tools, the new products that BG gives us, there's no excuse for any of us not to keep growing. One thing I'm, I'm going to add too, just um, working with Caleb for so many years, but just just have someone that you kind of a wingman or a teammate that you brainstorm with, bounce ideas off with, and you'd said it too, kind of shared successes and losses and frustrations and things you're excited about. But that's a big deal, though. I mean, it is just just bouncing ideas off each other, and that's been a big part of my growth. Did yeah. you learn that from Waldo the wingman? What? He had a, I'm not going to say his quote. No, he I He still has his coin in his pocket. <laughs> who's buying beer tonight, huh? <laughs> so I, I, I will say, um, yeah, Caleb has been a big part of, of my growth too, though, and that's no sarcasm. I mean, just. Can you say that one more time? I will not. So just, yeah, lots of, lots of great, just uh, brainstorming ideas, and um, yeah, I just, I appreciate it kind of having that. That uh, sounding board, and, and I've learned a lot from you too. I mean, you approach it, the business very, very differently from from the way I approach it, and it's just neat to see how, your perspective on it. There's a lot that I take away from it. And what you do doesn't all fit because you've got different strengths, but you need to take away a lot of the things that you're good at and apply them to my business. And I'm and that is a plagiarizing. Big, that is a big deal. I mean, with all of us, you know, we we all work as a team, and we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Man, plagiarize, steal ideas from your your coworkers bounce ideas off each other. Find out what's working and and try it. You know, and and make sure that your wingman is somebody who's going where you want to go. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. If your wingman is the guy that's got something negative to say at the end of every sales meeting, or 
you know, I'm not jumping on board with this promotion because X, Y, and Z, or I don't make any money on this, so I'm not selling it. Yeah, we've all know. we've all seen that guy too. Yes, those guys don't last. You know, yep. so you want to put your, you know, hitch your wagon to somebody who's positive and who's moving forward. That's a that's a great point. I agree. Well, guys, thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us, thanks, Casey. Casey. What, a, what a neat opportunity. I know we've been really mean to each other, but you two are some of my favorite people in B, the BG world. So I, I think there's not a better couple of guys to be one of the first guests on this show. Wow, thanks. And I thought is. we had actually been pretty nice to each other, considering. I've been nothing but cordial this whole time. Right. Well, we're all trying to be courteous. And <laughs> <laughs> with that. So thanks for listening. Have a good day. And, man, get out in your territory. Evaluate what you're doing. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you. Wow.